Welcome, listener. You've found the latest episode of Michigan Soccer Central, your weekly dip into uh, the game of soccer here in the Great Lakes State. How's it going? I'm your host, Robert Kerr, here with you on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Uh, Lovely to be here, back healthy and back at it uh, a lot better than last week. And I'm very happy to have a great interview this week, our very first MLS player interview on the show. Uh, Big news of the week, though, uh, was probably coming out of Detroit City FC. They uh, are slowly uh, announcing their inaugural USL championship roster, which began with their captain, Stephen Carroll, on Monday, followed by Mr. Sports Center Top 10, Connor Rutz, made famous by his bicycle kicks. Uh, then on Wednesday, midfielder Abdule Diop returns to Detroit. He played here in 2019 in NPSL action, went to Atlanta too, but is back. Uh, then there was a Ford Pato Patello Faz forward coming back on the squad last year and in Friday uh, the ace midfielder uh, best one in uh, the team last year in my honest opinion Maxi Rodriguez announced on Friday all five players announced thus far returners so who will we see uh, this week it'll be a fascinating moment to see any new faces maybe pop up and just this whole process of the uh, leveling up and uh, interesting to see how they build out this new era of Detroit City FC's roster. They also announced their debut USL Championship schedule, which begins away in San Antonio March 12th. They have their home opener March 19th, and the season extends all the way until October 15th against Miami FC. So a whole new world uh, developing uh, in Detroit. And exciting to get kind of the, the juices flowing on uh, Soccer 2022. Um, from what I understand, uh, USL 2, we're going to hear those schedules going to start popping up in the next week or two, as is uh, news from the Midwest Premier League. So, yes, after a long fall without uh, our uh, Michigan club soccer, it's exciting to uh, see that the, the buds are starting to pop on the trees of our 2022 Michigan soccer season. Uh, the busy times are fast approaching, and I can't wait. But this week, I got a smile on my face introducing. We have a fellow Michigan, Western Michigan Bronco uh, on the show for the first time, as well as our first MLS player on the show. Uh, it is Brandon By. He is from Portage, Michigan, just outside Kalamazoo. He had just signed uh, an extension for the New England Revolution. This interview's got great stories about his uh, first goal as a pro, um, being a multiple sport athlete and not actually specializing in soccer until college. And then some uh, tidbits on uh, the revolution and uh, being under the coaching tutelage of American legend Bruce Arena. So my interview with Brandon By up next here on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. All right, listeners, I'm very excited and proud to have our next guest on the show. 
Portage, Michigan native, and a fellow Western Michigan Bronco, I believe the first Bronco we've had on the show. He was drafted in 2018, and his New England Revolution had an amazing season and recently signed a multiple-year extension with the Revolution. Thank you, Mr. Brandon By, for joining Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. So uh, the 2022 draft just happened. I got to ask you just a silly one up first. Do they know where they're going to go? How do they have the hats and the scarves and stuff ready? Um, that's that's a good question. I think uh, I think I think for the uh, for the top guys that know are going to be that they know they're going to be drafted. I think they send. I think MLS um, as the uh, as the you know the the company at their headquarter office or whatever. I think they send out. Um, all the hats and all the all the scarves ready for for these players. So I think they send them twenty five or however many. What do we have? Twenty seven or twenty eight now teams in the league. I think they send them all the scarves and and hats and everything like that. And then when their name gets called, they put on the correct one. I think that's that's how it goes. So is there a bunch of guys that just have like every single <laughs> uh, piece of swag from every single team that's in the league? I think so. Honestly, honestly, I think that that might be it. Or. Uh, or MLS asks for that that stuff back when they don't get drafted from you know the twenty six other teams or whatever it is. That'd be a funny little Aaron is like, well, your life just changed. You got a you know a brand new career ahead of you, but could you box up you know that twenty seven other uh, you know pieces of merchandise for me and send that back to her exactly. headquarters? Exactly. Well, uh, like I said, Portage, Michigan native, uh, Western Michigan uh, Bronco. Uh, first drafty uh, in school history, MAC champion. Um, awesome to have you on the line. Um, so where are you right now? I think I saw that uh, preseason training just kicked off. Yep, preseason training kicked off. Uh, we our physicals and everything like that. We're on we're on Monday. Our report day was on Monday. Uh, so I'm back in Boston. Uh, you know, training every day and getting ready for the uh, 2022 season. And I saw you still have a Kalamazoo phone number. Uh, were you able to yes, get back into town? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got, I got back into town for a little bit, a couple weeks, uh, spent with my family in, in Kalamazoo and just relaxed, try to play as low key as possible. Um, uh, but also got, got a little training in over the, over the off season. Yeah. So, uh, were you able to go out in public or are you getting swarmed over there in Kalamazoo? <laughs> no, definitely not getting swarmed. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously with, with the COVID things, you know, going on right now, I, I play it pretty low key when I'm home. Uh, my mom cooks some good meals. So that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, there's nothing like home cooking for sure. Um, that was it. Like, if there was ever a, a silver lining of the uh, the lockdown in 2020, I, there was a lot more home cooking there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so your uh, New England Revolution uh, had an amazing season, a first place finish. Um, how did that come about? Because the Revolution, uh, when you were drafted in 2018, was was not sitting at the top of the league. Uh, for sure. I mean, I think it's I think it's been a, a progressive change over the last you know you know four years or so, and and the fact you know Bruce Arena comes in and, and you know you know runs the show from from uh, what twenty 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 or it was twenty nineteen middle twenty nineteen on. Um, I think that that you know that really really changed things for us. Um, and then yeah, I think I think we've we've had a lot of the same players though, and, and you know. Some players just uh, getting in the right position, um, guys maturing. You know, I've I've definitely matured over my four years, um, and so yeah, I think it's I think everything came together, and you know, we had a we had a, a pretty special season. Um, you know, winning Sports Shield, something that you know, you know, you look at uh, you know a goal at the beginning of the year, but um, you know, 
so many games in a season that you really you really just worry about the the next game or the next week or whatever it may be so you know to to win that um you know be the best team over the over the whole regular season that was that was pretty special yeah did you guys think that uh you were that good like when the season started you were like we got a real shot at you know finishing the top of the league I mean, I, th- I think we always think that. Um, I think every team should should think that. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think I thought it was pretty realistic for us. Um, you know, we look at competition, we look at who we're playing, and you know, we believe that every time we step on the field, we should uh, we should win. So, a question that I have that I, I'm very curious about. Uh, this is obviously a Michigan centric podcast, um, and there's been an explosion of grassroots teams. Detroit City FC has moved up into the second division of soccer. Um, when you were growing up, uh, did you have pro soccer ambitions? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I played I played other sports growing up. I played basketball and ran track in high school. Played kicked on the football team. You know, played soccer throughout my whole. Uh, throwing my whole, you know, youth, obviously. But, yeah, I, th- I think I always, you know, I always had ambitions of, of playing professional soccer. That was, you know, something I wrote in my paper when I was, uh, when I was an eight, you know, eight years old in whatever grade I was in, you know, elementary school. And they ask you what you want to be when you grow up. Um, you know, I always, I always wrote that. Um, and that's, that's really what I wanted to do. But I think it was, um, you know, obviously, you know, smaller goals, trying to, uh, trying to go to college, you know, trying to go to Division one college. And then from there, you know, working on, on my game in college and stuff like that and, you know, progressing slowly. On the west side of the state, uh, you went to uh, Western Michigan, uh, basically your hometown university, uh, a college or a university who had not had a player drafted. So when you're midway through your uh, four-year college career, did you see that pathway still in front of you as a, a clear path to the pros? Mm, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we didn't have guys drafted, but... You know, you can, we could look at, you know, other players that, you know, I played against or, you know, we were playing against the Michigan, the Michigan States, you know, different teams, different players that, you know, all of a sudden we'd play Dayton and there'd be, um, you know, Lalas Abubakar, actually, I know him pretty, pretty well. And, you know, he got drafted and we played them the year before. And I was like, you know, I can, we can match up with these guys. And like, you know, they're not, you know, substantially better than, you know, anybody else here. So, yeah, I thought, I thought it was realistic. I thought I just needed the, uh, the right opportunity um and you know to have a to have a really good um you know senior season because i think that's that's really what set me up and catapulted me into you know going to the going to the combine and then doing well at the combine so it was really your senior year when you you realized like this could really be the th- they c- could really happen for sure yeah i think so and the fact that you know we were you know top 10 in the country you know basically the whole the whole year um you know, my senior year and it was like, okay, you know, now we're getting, now we're getting a lot of recognition. Um, and, and, you know, obviously winning teams, uh, get a little more recognition and, and get a little more looks from, okay, why are they winning so many games? You know, who, who's, who's the reason why? Um, and, you know, I thought, I thought that was, uh, that was a, a big part of that. So you're saying, um, one of the things was seeing another player, um, who's gone ahead of you almost uh, a proof of concept uh, where you saw what a pro player looks like. So playing with and against those top-level players is one of the, the, the keys, do you think, to, to where you've gotten? Yeah, I think so. Um, but also, I, I don't think it was completely needed. You know, I, didn't, I, didn't play, um, I didn't play at the Bucks, or I didn't go on, you know, play, I didn't play PDL um, in my summers. I, I you know, played at, in the NPSL. Um, which is still a good level, but I, you know, I kind of took my summers to 
to relax, regroup, and to you know get ready for my senior season. A lot of you know different players, you know, took their took their summers you know very seriously, and you know practiced every day and and you know trained and worked hard, which I, I did as well. But I kind of did um, in my own terms, on on my own terms, and you know the way that I I you know handled things. Um, you know, some guys you know go to the Bucks or or do different things. Uh, you know, at at the PDL level. And for me, um, you know, playing NPSL for, for the three summers that I had in college, um, it was good for me. And I think that and I gained confidence in those summers. And, and uh, you know, I also rested my body a little bit. But, you know, as long with as long as, you know, I trained and continued to, to develop my game, I thought that was uh, that was pretty helpful. So at what point of the, the, the calendar year during like the college, like what was the actual like true off season where there wasn't really anything going on soccer wise? Um, honestly, there, there really isn't one, um, you know, in college, uh, you know, you, you play in the fall, you, maybe you get, you get your winter break off. So, you know, maybe that's, that's three or four weeks. Um, and then you're back in for the spring season and then, um, and then in the spring, right after the spring season, you're, you're off to your, your different, you know, either you're going home and you're playing for your hometown, you know, MPSL or PDL team, or you're getting shipped somewhere to, to play some summer soccer so you know there really isn't too much time off uh in that in that college uh college soccer schedule yeah you were in npsl you played for grand rapids fc if i'm not mistaken right yep grand rapids grand rapids for the first summer uh kalamazoo fc for the second and then minneapolis uh soccer club for the third so playing there uh it was was a big aid because i know in in some ways uh I know it can be tough to be in one system and then for just a couple short months jump over to a different system, but you that that was a big help, huh? Yeah, I think I think it's it's you know you know people think of it as as you know maybe it, maybe it hurts, but um you know I thought of it as an opportunity you know an opportunity to to get coached by by a different coach, um, see how he sees the game, see how he sees you know formations, and you know maybe you're, you're playing in a different formation, you're playing a different position. Um, I think. All of a sudden, you know, and then I go to then I go to Kalamazoo and I'm playing winger and I'm, you know, scoring goals or you know doing different things. So you're you're seeing a lot of a lot of different stuff. You're seeing coaching styles differ. You're seeing you know formations differ. You're seeing you know a lot of different situations. Um, and I think that that can definitely be a benefit for for your uh, for your game as well. I don't think I don't think I mean you know potentially it could hurt you, but um, you know I think. I think just like just like in life, if you if you tried a bunch of different things, um, you know, I think it only it only sculpts it, it sculpts and helps you um, helps you for the future. And you've you've played a, a variety of positions, and um, now as a professional in uh, New England, you're playing in defense as a right back. How's that tra- transition been? Was that difficult? And who were some of the coaches that that helped that transition? Yeah, I think um, you know, in, in college I played, you know, majority of winger and, and you know, playing more attacking up the field. Um but I also knew that in college, you know, we weren't spectacular, so I had to defend as well as attack. It wasn't just strictly attacking. Um so I was always, you know, could play both sides of the ball and, and play defense and offense. So uh, you know, when I moved to to the Revs, I, I kinda understood that, you know, my, my position would probably be um, probably be at, at an outside back position, um, which I didn't mind at all. I think, you know, in the in the modern game, the outside backs attack plenty. Um, I'm always in the attack, you know, you know, providing service or you know, trying to get on, on the end of things and, and score goals. So, you know, that's that's hasn't really changed much. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's I think it's important that uh that you know I try to do as, as much as as much uh, that as possible. But uh the coaches that helped me, I think I think all the coaches um you know that I've had over my career, I think you know starting with Brad Friedel um when I was drafted here and and the assistance he had Mike Lapper um and then now with um you know Bruce Arena and David Vandenberg, Richie Williams, I think all these guys you know help um help you know you in different ways and i think they're they're all just helping to to make you you know that much better of a soccer player what have been uh, some of the biggest things that you've added or learned in the professional world uh, i think the the biggest number one thing is you know how to be a professional um you know something that you know you heard about um you know when you're a rookie and you know you understood but you didn't really understand you know wh- what it's like um you know for it to be your job every single day and then you know over the over the course of the last four years I, th- I think i've really figured out um you know the do's and don'ts and the the things you should avoid and whatnot of you know just being a professional every day and you know taking care of your body because you know your body is your uh is your, your your tool you know so i think that's that's very important um and then just you know little little things here and there that you you learn from you know vets that have that have come and go and and then have you know been around the block uh, quite a few times, so you know you're just picking up on little things, and you know just always being able to uh, to learn on the fly. There was a big coaching change, and in Bruce Arena, obviously, has taken you guys uh, to a- another level, and obviously, he's probably a United States like most famous coach. Um, what is it that um, sets him apart? What is it that makes him good? Because I've heard. Um, People, it seems like a hard thing to articulate what it is that his is quality, but clearly, you know, MLS is, I think, most successful coach, and obviously the national team's most successful coach. Is there is there something that you could articulate of what makes him such a good coach? Yeah, it, it is kind of hard to, to put your finger on exactly what it is. Um, but, you know, he, he coaches for the players. I think that's that's one of the, the big things is, is he understands that uh, that we're humans and, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're you know twenty something, thirty something year old guys that uh, you know just love the game. So I think he he understands that and coaches that way. Um, but I think you know also you know you have to give a lot of the credit to the to the players that that you know he's put in he's put in the uh, in in you know in, in the opportunity to uh, to succeed. You know he he's finding these players or you know him and his staff are are you know fielding these players to uh to perform you know week in week out or or, or if, if it was with the national team something like that so i think uh i think he's done a very good job with that and you know he's obviously a very good coach and and at the end of the day he is yeah probably one of the most successful or, or is one of the most successful coaches of uh of all time that, that we know in, in u.s soccer so he really like just empowers you as a person and kind of puts you in a position to succeed sort of a thing Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think he understands that, you know, that the game isn't for, for him, I think it's, uh, you know, the game isn't exactly, um, uh, that tactical, um, you know, it is, but it isn't. Um, and, and at the same time you need to, you need to understand that, you know, 11 guys walk out on the field and, and those guys have to perform on the day. And if you can get those, those 11 guys to perform and, and work together and, and, you know, work for each other, I think that's, that's a big thing. When you are a rookie, um, you end your rookie season, I think, uh, third the most appearances. So you obviously hit the ground running, and you've had over 100 uh, appearances in MLS with the Revolution. What, what, what 
uh, set you apart, or like, I guess set the scene. I guess I'd like to hear a story. When you were a rookie and you were going into the first year, first preseason, what were some of the things that enabled you to hit the ground running? There was a good understanding from uh, from Brad Friedel, the, the head coach at the time, that you know everybody's everybody's equal. It was it was his first year, and and I think that that gave me an advantage of you know everybody was starting on a on a on an equal uh, equal level. Um, nobody nobody was you know greater or less than anybody else. So you know I understood that. Um, understood there was a new coaching staff that you know everybody needed to, to earn a spot, and I just went out there and. And worked hard and worked as hard as possible um, every day in practice. You know, trying to get a little better, trying to uh, to be as coachable as possible, and um, to understand exactly what what they wanted out of me as a player. And then from there, um, you know, the rest is history. I guess I think it just um, you know a- after you as you start starting games and you you know tick off the weeks week by week. I think um, you know things just happen, and all of a sudden, snap of the finger, and <laughs> I finished my fourth year and, and on to my fifth. Um, was there um, any player in particular that 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 helped lead the way? You you talked about inspirations early on in the college years, but once you were a pro, was was there a particularly influential player? Yeah, I think I think some of the some older guys on our team um, at the time was you know was Andrew Farrell, uh, Julio Anibaba, um, Scott Caldwell, some of those guys that that had been around a long time and. And, you know, those are the guys that you're not necessarily asking advice, but maybe you are, but you're just, you know, you're, you're watching what they do. Um, and you're, you're taking mental notes of, you know, how they act in a locker room, um, you know, how they act after a win, how they act after a loss, you know, things like that. I think, um, you know, just, just observing, you know, how they act on a daily basis, how they take care of their body, you know, what time they come in in the morning, what time, you know, they leave in the afternoon and, you know things like that that you're always uh, that you're always understanding, looking at, and uh, and learning from. You're talking about how how you react. Obviously, there's a ton of reaction. Like, how do you react to a goal? How do you re- react to being scored on? Um, so, how long is okay, or how how like uh, for winning a regular season win? Like, how how long does that buzz go, and how long do you actually celebrate that? <laughs> Honestly, not too much, especially with the uh, with the schedule nowadays. Um, you know, we're playing. Some weeks, you know, you're playing a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, um, you know, three games in a week, and you know, you don't have much time to to enjoy those wins. Obviously, you have to enjoy them in the moment um, that night. But then, you know, if the if the next day's off or the next day's back in to uh, to get ready for the next game, it's it's a quick um, film session of you know what we did, how can we get better, and and we're on to the next game. As a fan, I'm a fan of teams that are successful and teams that are uh, perennial uh, losers. It seems like losses hurt more than wins feel good. It almost seems like wins, the game went the way it should, and then loss, the, it just went wrong. Is is that a fan perspective, or does that translate to the players too? Uh, I think that translates a little. That translates a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I think I think losses obviously you know hurt a lot more, um, especially when uh, when you're you're used to winning. Uh, I think I think maybe we've gotten a little used to winning now. Um, and so toward the end of the season, if we dropped a, dropped points or dropped a game, um, you know, we, we took that one we took that one to heart, and we we understand that you know we've we've set a standard for ourselves, and and we want to stick to that standard. Playing uh, in New England, they're going under uh, a big uh, rebrand. What do you think of that uh, that the new look? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the the crayon flag, the the original one, um, but no, I I don't mind the new. Uh, the new logo. Um, hopefully, I, I haven't seen the new jerseys come out yet, so 
you know, hopefully they look pretty nice. Um, that that was, I think that was my my big thing. I was like, I hope the jerseys look cool. I think that's that's the one thing that uh, that we have to wear and that we have to be seen in. So hopefully those look nice. But no, I, I like it so far. Um, I think they're doing a good job with it, and uh, we'll see what the future looks like. Oh, so it's even going to be a surprise for you. So I'm guessing there might be some sort of a a big release. They might uh, surprise you guys with it once it's time to like take the photos with it. Then. Yeah, uh, we have it on our training gear and whatnot, and they've they've released you know what the what the logos look like. But uh, I think we'll have we'll have at least one new jersey for this for this upcoming year. Um, so I'll be interested to see what that jersey looks like. Is that the sort of thing that that players talk about? Uh, I mean, not really. Um, <laughs> I think we got we got other things to worry about. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, for for the logo standpoint, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a change. Um, you know, seeing it on on different stuff. Um, and then obviously the, the flag is no longer. So, you know, getting rid of all that, that old gear and whatnot. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, there's a lot of, uh, on the fan side, people are interested, but yeah, I'm sure, uh, the, the game and what you're doing, uh, holds a lot more weight. Uh, what, what are your, uh, goals, uh, heading into 2022 season? Goals are pretty simple to, to, to win as many games as possible and, uh, to get better in, in every game and, and try to try to learn from, uh, from your experiences. I think that's, that's the big thing. Um, you know, you can't, you know, I have, I have some personal goals that uh, I keep to myself, but, um, you know, I think, I think for, for main goals is to, to win as many games as possible. And I think, you know, we did that, we did that in a way last year. Um, we're looking to continue that, uh, that search forward. I saw that, um, the, all of your backline back four partnership that you have on the revs are all, uh, college draftees. Am I right? Yes, sir. That's it. And um, so actually, and then speaking of which, uh, one of your fellow uh, back line mates is a fellow Michigander, Dwan Jones, um, and he got his call up to the national team. Have you been able to speak to him at all since uh, he's been out there? Yeah, I talked to him. Uh, I talked to him a couple of days ago. He's enjoying it. I think, um, you know, obviously when, whenever you get called in the national team, you know, I haven't um, yet, but no, it's, it's a great experience uh, for him. And um, I'm very happy for him when I, when I saw his name. I think it was, you know, in due time. I can imagine. So back to the point of you guys being all college draftees and um, some people are not so positive about, uh, the draft and stuff like that uh, these days. So, what could you say to like college players, like uh, as far as like some get drafted and don't get signed or don't necessarily make a first team impact? Um, what could you say to uh, players getting drafted to to help them, you know, hit the ground running like you did? Yeah, I'd say um, you know be as coachable as possible. Understand that you know the position you play in college might not be the position that the coach see you at, but on the field is definitely better than better than uh, sitting at home. So, you know, be as coach, coachable as possible. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of guys understand that, you know, it, it, or don't understand potentially that, you know, it's a job. And the fact that, you know, your fitness, um, your ability to, to do simple things is is not, not an ask, but more of a, a standard. Um, you know, a lot of guys um, aren't fit, you know, if they get called into a camp or something like that, called into, you know, a preseason that get going and, you know, their fitness isn't at a top level. I think that's, that's one thing that, you know, coaches immediately can look at and say, you know, you know, what's this guy doing? He's, he gets an opportunity and, you know, he doesn't, his, his fitness isn't up to par. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think being coachable, I've, I've said it before, um, you know, when I was younger and I, I think I, I, I'll keep saying it, you know, coaches want to, 
want to, you know, tell you things and, and, um, you know, you know, ask you, you know, certain things and, you know, you have to be able to, to answer those and, and to be, uh, to be willing to, uh, to listen. Um, that's, that's a huge thing. So obviously to get drafted and get to that level, you've been amongst the top players, wherever you've been as a, as a youth player. So I imagine, so some people just don't want to hear that. Like, Oh, I see you more as a defensive player. Yeah. I mean, you know, potentially, I think, I think some guys have a, a notion in their head where, you know, they, they think they're this, this position or this player and, you know, if a coach wants to wants to you know try you at you know maybe outside mid or outside back or whatever it may be or center mid or you know if you're center mid center back, um, you know some some players have that you know notion in their head that you know no I'm just a I'm just a center mid or I'm just a you know winger. Well, you have to you have to understand that you know this coach has been doing that a long time and you know if he sees something in you you know understand that and then you know do what's asked of you and and try to perform at a top level. So when you were asked, or when the transition, you were a midfielder or a wing and you came back into the back line, uh, was that a gradual thing or was it like a conversation like, hey, this is where you're going to go? Like, how, how, how is that broached? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was, when I was at the combine, it was, it was, I, I decided, you know, more, okay, I think I see myself as an outside back, so I'm going to play outside back in the combine. Uh, and then, you know, from the combine, you know, I was drafted as a, as a, as a right right uh right-sided player i think it wasn't even a, a right back and you know in 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 the preseason my first preseason with uh with Friedel, i was playing right mid a little bit I was playing right back a little bit and it was kind of you know over over time it was it was more of a okay you know brandon's more of a right back um and you know i think i fit better into that into that position um but yeah i think it was for me personally it was more of a, a gradual thing that you know i ended up you know working my way back there and what's a What's like the the most exciting or yeah like what, what do you get the the biggest buzz out of like during a game like is there a particular thing like making a tackle or making an assist like what what do you like enjoy the most in game play? Um, I mean, I think I think scoring goals and 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 uh, and, and having assists. I think that's the that's definitely the one of the top ones. But um, you know, I, I think I think potentially blocking shots and, and, you know, things that you do defensively, you know, a late slide tackle that you, you save a chance from or something like that. All that stuff is, is pretty exciting. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the game, you know, if you're celebrating with your back line, your goalie, if, you know, you hold the shutout, I think those are, those are all good moments. And you said, uh, you know, taking uh, your position as a player and really respecting it as a job. So almost, you know, every job, no matter how good or bad, there's always a downside. What are some of the the hard parts of being a pro soccer player? I think the, the time commitment, um, the time commitment, and the uh, I mean, our seasons are long. I think I think people, you know, whenever I tell them, oh yeah, you know, we start we start January fifteenth and we end, you know, mid November. They're wow, that's such a long season. Uh, but yeah, it is, and and that's just something you have to deal with. You know, if you know, 30 something games in a season plus, you know, now this year we'll be in CONCACAF and the U S open cup, um, different things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a long, you know, tasking season. And then, and then you put in the travel, you know, playing these away games. And, you know, I think our first season, we, our first game of the season, we go to Portland. Um, and you know, there, there's, there's a lot of travel involved with that, but no, it's all part of the job and I would never, uh, I would never change it for the world. Yeah, CONCACAF Champions League. That's exciting. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, do you guys know who you're playing just yet? Uh, yeah, we play a Haitian team. 
I'm not exactly sure the, the the name of it, but um, I think we got both games at at Gillette Stadium, so that'll be uh, that'll be cool. Well, that's fortuitous, and then hopefully maybe uh, things go well. You might be able to you know go to Mexico and play you know one of the the big Mexican teams. I I can't imagine that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that would be uh, that would be that would be you know pretty ideal. But I, I think the, the the first task at hand is the Haitian team and uh, and winning that first game. So traveling across the country, uh, seeing all the stadiums and playing the different teams, like what uh, stadium, like uh, or city, like blew you away as a as, as a really good soccer city? Um, hmm. there's been there's been quite a few, to be honest. Uh, you know, sporting Kansas City, obviously uh, Atlanta. You know, going down to Atlanta. Um, you know, LAFC when they were, you know, back a couple of years ago when we went when we went out there. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of different ones. Seattle, Portland, those those cities. Uh, but I, I like being at home. I like playing in, in Gillette City in front of our fans as well. Yeah, so I always crack up uh, about the the guys with the muskets. Uh, does anyone ever join in uh, goal celebrations with those guys with the muskets? Uh, I think Diego Fagundes did um, maybe a few years back, or might have been even before my time. I think I've seen a picture or two of that. Uh, but no one else uh, as of recent. Is there any uh, those the musket? What, what I I don't want to disrespect the the musket guys or the revolutionaries. I'm not sure what their name is, but uh, uh, is there some that would be? Is there any other celebrations besides that that you're you're holding in your locker? Uh, no, not too much. Um, no, I just celebrate my teammates. Uh, and uh, you know when I when I when I score when I happen to score a goal, um, <clears throat> I'm just pretty happy. Uh, yeah, celebrating my teammates for sure. I've heard uh, goal scorers say that when they happen, they almost kind of have like a blackout that they can't remember. Is that sort of thing happen to you too? Oh, uh, once in a while. Depends on the uh, depends on the goal. Depends on the moment. But uh, it's definitely happened before. That's for sure. I asked about uh, what could you say to college players as far as like you know what can you uh, uh, add to yourself or to your game. What would you say to like a youth player, maybe someone that's you know grade school, middle school, high school? Um, what are some of the keys? Maybe like uh, more technically, what are some of like simple things technically that 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 can can help your game out? Yeah, I think um, you know technically, I, I understand that you know you know getting as many touches on the ball when you're when you're younger is is very very important. Um, you know, touching the ball, understanding that you know. If you can, you know, play with your left foot and your right foot, um, play in the middle of the park, play in the, you know, playing different positions um, for me was was a big thing when I, when I was growing up and, and understanding that, you know, being good with your left foot and your right foot, don't just work on your strengths or don't always, don't always just, um, you know, default to your strengths, you know, work on your weaknesses, work on your left um, you know, work, work as, you know, as a forward work as, you know, a defender. If you, if you just play on the right side, play on the left side too. Um, you know, come in on the right, come in on the left, you know, do different things that, that, um, you know, ground you as a player and, and round you out as a, as a well, um, you know, polished player rather than just, you know, just working on one thing that has gotten you to, to the point you're at. Uh, when did you learn that? Because it seems like from what you're saying, being coachable, being versatile, you've played a number of positions. Uh, where did you learn that quality? Um, you know, I think I, I give some credit to my dad. I wouldn't give him too much credit, but I uh, give some credit to my dad. He was a he was a football coach growing up, and you know, he always pushed me to play different sports um, and see the game differently. Um, I think that's always you know what he pushed me to do, and I kind of I kind of took that on board and and tried to do that as much as possible. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think understanding that you know, and and yeah, I guess I've been doing this for a while, playing playing soccer, you know, since I was you know five or six years old. Um, you know, I've, I've understand stood and, and seen some things that uh, that yeah, I, I like, and you know, my kids down the road, I'll be I'll be I'll be telling them the same thing. You were you the kind of kid that was always just messing with the ball at their feet. Um, I wasn't so much, to be honest. I, I wish I, I wish I would have done more of it, but uh, but you know I, you know I I play I play fall soccer, and then I you know I would put my uh, my cleats away until the spring and I'd play basketball. Um, something that uh, that I I understood that you know I, I was able to do, um, and I, I loved I loved different sports. I liked basketball. You know I liked. I liked running track, um, you know, playing different sports, I think, I think helped me as a player. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of parents now, you know, want their kid in just one sport and wants them to, to push them into just, you know, playing one thing and, and oh, he'll get really good at soccer if he just plays, you know, 24 seven and, you know, the whole year round. Well, you know, I think, I think me playing different sports, um, helped me as an athlete, you know, understanding, you know, understanding the game in, in a different way, seeing, seeing how the, uh, you know, just sports and how, you know, different sports, you know, work with each other um, and, and, you know, correlate to each other, whether it's defense or offense or basketball or, you know, soccer, whatever it may be. Um, I think, I think all these, all these sports have a, have a way of, of, um, of, you know, fitting together. That's really awesome to hear. Thanks for um, sharing that. So, so you, until how old were you? So you played year round, but in different sports and activities, when was it that, you know, soccer became more than just your fall sport. Um, to be honest, in college, my my freshman year, um, you know, I in high school, I I played, I you know, I I played soccer, but I also kicked on the football team, played basketball, ran track. So, you know, every every year, um, you know, in, after the fall season of soccer and high school soccer, I'd I'd stop playing soccer, I'd play basketball for three months, and then I'd start playing soccer again in the spring. And that was that was just kind of how it was. Um, you know, I played I played majority of soccer in the summers, but you know, for that for that fall spring or fall um, winter spring time, that was that was what it was um, in the high school schedule. So that's that's what I always did. But um, you know, obviously, when you go to college, you, you can only pick one. So that's what I ended up doing. That's fascinating. So, did you grow up watching soccer on TV or anything like that? Uh, a little bit, um, but yeah, I think I think I watched I watched other sports as well. You know, watching football, uh, American football, and uh, watching a lot of basketball. Um, just watching all sports and not really having a specific team that I loved, um, but more of a more of just a collective watching over you know all games, um, seeing you know how different players reacted in different moments, seeing how how different you know players use different techniques in these games or this game or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I think I took an overall, uh, you know, in-depth look at that rather than just, you know, cheering for my one team and that's it. Fascinating, fascinating. So so you weren't uh, necessarily, because on the west side of Michigan, you know, you're halfway in between Detroit and Chicago, and I spent many years out there, and I know kind of like there's different allegiances to different teams, so you never particularly, you didn't pick Bears or Lions or, you know, uh, the Chicago Fire or another team. You, you just were a general sports fan? Yeah, I would say so. Um, no, I never, never picked one to to only root for. Um, but yeah, I just, I would just watch sports. You know, me and my dad growing up, it was just, you know, whatever was on that night, we were, we were watching, we were tuned in to to see exactly what it, you know, what unfolded. But uh, no, I never really, uh, never really had my allegiance to one team specifically. 
Very interesting. So I, I like to ask um, players and passionate soccer folks, like, is there a moment that you knew that this was for me? Hmm. No, not really, to be honest. I mean, I <laughs> I just really enjoyed it from the, from the start. I think, you know, something that, you know, that I really enjoy is, you know, walking on the practice field and, and just competing with my, with my teammates. Um, you know, I think that that changes things for me is, is when, when competition happens, I, I want to be a part of it. And, you know, having teammates to do that with, whether it's, whether it's small sided stuff where it's, you know, five V five or, or, you know, 11 V 11, I was, I'm always very competitive, always want to win. Um, and always want to, you know, push my, push my teammates and I want them to push me to, to, you know, to give my all and uh and to you know show my best i guess what's the uh your favorite sports moment in general favorite sports moment uh personally or or just overall how about uh something that you've seen and then something you yourself have done what i've seen um i think i think one thing that uh that really um that was really interesting was you know i went on a on a spring break when i was maybe a junior in, in college and I actually went to my first MLS game. Um, or I think, I think I'd been to a couple before when I was very young, but it's my first MLS game. I watched, uh, Orlando city versus New York city. Uh, I think Pierlo was playing for New York and, and Kaka was playing for Orlando. And it was like my, it was one of my, it was, I think it was, yeah, one of my, or my first MLS game. And it was in Orlando's new stadium. And, you know, I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. This is my junior year of, of college. And I was like, I just, I, I think I'm good enough. I want to play, I want to play in, in MLS. I think that's, that's, you know, kind of when I set my goal of like, Hey, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, and then personally, um, wow. Uh, my, my first goal is obviously always, always one that sticks with you. Uh, we were playing in LAFC or at L in LA against LAFC and, um, you know, I scored in like the 70th minute on a, on a header. Um, you know, I was, I was excited and celebrating my teammates there uh, in front of their, their pretty big crowd. So that was a, that was a cool moment. Can you describe the goal? Yeah, I think, um, I think we were down one zero in the 70, 75th or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's later on in the season. Um, and I think it was like a, a corner kick that was, that was, you know, that was put back into the into the corner or something like that. I got cleared once and then got put back in, and that's why I was kind of sneaking my way forward. Um, and uh, I think Teal Bunbury, you know, chips it into me, and uh, you know, I run across the middle and just head it and uh, and have a header, and you know, got got some good contact on the header, so I uh, I headed in pretty uh, pretty hard and you know, found the back of the net, you know, celebrated with the teams and with the team and it was uh it was a pretty exciting moment we ended up tying the game 1-1 um a pretty good result away from home at, at la yeah thank you for that story and that la team was pretty incredible and i think i actually know the exact uh, orlando nycfc game you're talking about as well i think wasn't that the first year for both of those teams they both expanded together at the same time right yeah i think so and i think it was orlando's um it was i think it was their their first the opening of that new stadium i think it was the first game in that new stadium yeah, that's definitely a place I want to visit. It looks pretty incredible on television. Yeah, it's 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 a nice facility for sure. What uh what is there a goal that uh like a dream goal, the one that you haven't scored yet that like uh you kind of reap like a uh, if you like uh close your eyes like some some outlandish goal that you'd love to score? No, not really. Um 
I mean, I think I think more just just scoring goals whenever I get the chance to. Uh, you know, it's a fun experience. Um, but honestly, you know, doing whatever it takes to to win games. If it's if it's me not scoring a season or me scoring, you know, ten goals, it, whatever it is, um, whatever it takes to to win games for the for the team. That's that's really what I'm, what I'm here to do. Team player, team player. Um, I I do want to ask too. Uh, you also have a, a charity that you started when you were in college. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, the uh, Spears Foundation. Um, something that yeah, me and a, another co college student we uh, we started. Um, basically, we started as just a clothing drive um, for for kids in the Dominican Republic uh, to give them soccer clothing and gear and you know cones, balls, whatever it may be. Um, but we've turned it now um, into something much more than just, you know, just a cooling drive, just a gear drive, more into now focusing on uh, on the educational side, too. Um, so, you know, not only just running camps and clinics, but also, you know, uh, having ongoing English classes first for these kids, ongoing, um, you know, training, soccer training for these kids as well, and as, as, well, as well as, as, you know, providing them with you know, soccer gear and equipment. I think we've uh, we've come a long way since you know we started in 2016. I think it was, um, but yeah, definitely uh, definitely more to come from that. Amazing stuff. Uh, any specific uh, reason why um, you were that was uh, specifically for Dominican Republic at the beginning? Yeah, um, actually, Federico Tavares, um, the 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 kid I met in uh, in college was a was a fellow student of mine um and he pitched the idea and he's he's from the dominican so you know I'd, I'd been there once for like a senior spring break um went to punta cana and you know i saw that side of the island but i, I really didn't see you know everything else and so that kind of piqued my interest and then you know once i once i went down there for the first time and you know saw the kids and you know saw them just overjoyed with just you know a couple soccer balls and some cleats we gave them you know, I thought, wow, this is this is something special, and you know, I want to continue to to put my time and energy into this. Very cool, very cool. Um, well, Brandon, by uh, right back for the New England Revolution. Uh, thank you so much for uh, spending time on Michigan Soccer Central podcast, and congrats from for on all you've done so far, and and, and all the best on a, a great twenty twenty two. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Special thanks to all the guests that have been on the show. Thanks to this week's guest, Brandon By, a Michigan native right back for the New England Revolution. Thank you so much to him for spending some time out of his uh, preseason training regiment to talk to us on the show. This week's, uh, or this show's uh, whole uh, platform is to try to find uh, as many perspectives in Michigan soccer as possible. So we've had journalists, we've had photographers, videographers, coaches, directors of football, professional players, uh, both men's and women's. Um, it's really been great to see. Uh, definitely check out Michigan Soccer Central across all the social medias. Uh, the followers keep on adding up, and it really is proving to be a hub of information for all things Michigan soccer related. All right, special thanks 
to Jenny Hasnaki for editing the program as always. Thank you to uh, all the guys at Michigan Soccer Central for putting this all together. Definitely follow us on the socials. So until next week, everybody, enjoy your soccer. Thank you.